0: We're in this series, we're looking at the 23rd Psalm, and this morning what I want to talk about is rest, and that word is foreign to some of us, and I am probably one of two people in this room that are probably the absolute worst at this, and the other person in this room, I I won't embarrass by, by saying that person's name. But that person knows who they are. And we're going to look at this whole, we think, especially in terms of ministry, we just have a difficult time making room for this word rest. Truth of the matter is, when you and I learn, most of the things that we learn, we learn little by little. We don't learn a lot of things all at once. And... And this morning, I just want to look at this subject of rest from God's perspective in your life and in my life. And I want to, I want to focus in on it because the reality is God says rest is just as important at work as work. And in our culture, we, we kind of, we struggle in, in, in America today. The statistics tell us that we sleep two hours less than our culture did 50 years ago. We, we are we are not resting as much as they did 50 years ago. The truth of the matter is, God smiles when you rest, moms and dads. You know what it's like when, when you walk into your, your your children's bedroom, and you look at them and they're sleeping there's almost nothing more, 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 more fun than just watching your kids sleep. and you focus in on it, and you watch their little chest go up and then go back down and then go up and then go back down. And it, it brings pleasure to you. And that's how God is with you and I. He, he, he watches and He enjoys us as we're resting. Exodus chapter 1, chapter 31, it's not in your notes, but it says this. One day a week, God says, I will, uh, will always serve as a reminder that I made, in the, I made the heavens and the earth in six days. And then on the seventh day, I rested. Now, why did God rest? He he didn't have to. It's not like God was tired. He doesn't get tired. It's impossible for him to get tired. Everything for him is effortless. He's God. He speaks and it happens. He spoke it all into fruition. He made it all happen just by speaking it. Why Why did he do that? He did it to model for you and for me that one day a week, he wants us to rest. In the 23rd Psalm, what we find is 10 ways that the good shepherd takes care of his sheep. And God wants to be our good shepherd. He he wants to, to lead us. He wants to feed us. He wants to take care of us. He he wants to do these things in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. David learned this shepherding thing even as a child. And and he grew up and he became a shepherd. And he was a shepherd for many years. And and through, through the entire course of the things that God had for David's life, culminating with David being the king of Israel. And then David writes this passage of Scripture. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. David, fully understand what it meant to be a shepherd, what it meant to take care of sheep. He's my shepherd, so I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. I want to talk about those two lines. He makes us lie down in green pastures, and he leads us beside quiet waters. They're a metaphor, really, for peace and tranquility. They're a metaphor for rest and refreshment. He wants us to stop and look at this. You see, if you you don't take the time to lay down, God has designed your body in a way that it will lay you down. He, 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 is, he is not afraid sometimes to make us lay on our back because when we're laying on our back, we're forced to look up. And sometimes we just have to get to that place if we're not willing to, to, to follow the shepherd and, and go beside the quiet waters and the green pastures. Our heavenly father, our shepherd, is interested and concerned in our our mental health, our physical health, our emotional health, our spiritual health. He wants us to be healthy. So to give God my best, rest has to be a part of that. And oftentimes the difference, the, the difference between stressed and blessed is rest. You're not going to get blessed if you never take the time to rest. Because you're gonna be stressed. And the Bible gives us so many reasons why we don't get enough rest. And this morning, I just want to look at the at four of them. There, there are many more than this, but these are the four big ones. These are the main ones. And so let's let's buckle our seatbelts and go through these. The first one is is that my worth is based, my worth is based on my work. This this is a misconception. It is actually a misplaced identity. So often our, we think that our worth is what we do. Well, I'm valuable because I'm a doctor, or or I'm I'm valuable because of this or because of that. And, and and we think that you know we think that our valuable our value is is locked into things that we have that are valuable. Our value is not in our valuables. Our net worth is not our self-worth. Our worth is in Christ. I'm, I'm not valuable because I succeed at this or that. Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Now, I believe that the two greatest kings that Israel ever had by far were David and his son Solomon. God took David's life and rose him to be a great king, and through him and using him, God made Israel a great nation. And when David died, his son Solomon became the king. Solomon was at a young age when he became a king. Solomon did not feel that he had everything it took to be the king of Israel. And God came to him in a dream and said, Solomon, Whatever you need, if 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 it's finances, if it's wealth, if it's wisdom, if it's if if it's if it's popular, whatever you, whatever you need, you ask me and I will give it to you. God came to Solomon in a dream and he told him this. And and Solomon's response was: Lord, give me wisdom so that I can faithfully lead your nation, Israel. And God said, Because you ask for wisdom. To do that, which is what I've, the, the task I've placed on you, I'll not only give you wisdom, I'll give you wealth and I will bless your life in every single way. And Solomon led Israel at a time when there, all of the borders of Israel, none of them were at war with Israel during this time. The wealth of Israel rose to far beyond. It, it was a great time for the nation of Israel. And and God gave Solomon unbelievable wisdom. The Bible actually calls him the wisest man who ever lived. And his wealth was so great that Bible scholars tell us that he was the wealthiest man who ever lived. And look what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. He says only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. (laughs) How about that? The wisest man who ever lived... And the wealthiest man is telling you that. In other words, life is more than just work. Work is a portion of our life. It's a very important part. But it is a portion of our lives. Now, there are some people who, who don't work. And so they don't work for six days and maybe they work for one. So they got this thing flipped upside, upside down. But listen, that's a whole other series and, I, and I'm not even gonna get into that one, okay? We're looking at this from the 23rd Psalm. My worth is based on my work is a misplaced identity. That, that is not true at all. Number two, we, all, we always want more things. We are all, the Bible calls this materialism, wanting more things, wanting to make more money, so that we can have more things and work more hours. So that and, and Solomon in Proverbs twenty-three says this: Do not wear yourself out trying to get rich. Have the wisdom to show some restraint. Your money can be gone in a flash, as if it had grown wings and flown away like an eagle. In other words. Don't take the time to pour your entire life into something that can be gone like that. Don't do that. Show some restraint. Be smarter than them. I think the founding fathers of our nation understood that. And to remind us of that, if you pull out a dollar bill and you look at the back of it, there's an eagle on the back of a dollar bill. And you know how fast your money flies away. I think they put that eagle there to remind us of this passage of Scripture, of how quickly our money can go away. We always want more things. The third thing I, I notice in Scripture is we want to be like other people. One, one of the one of the reasons we struggle with allowing him to be our shepherd is we just want to be like other people our neighbors have have their kids and and their kids are involved in five different activities so we're thinking, oh my gosh I got to get my kids involved in some more activities and and so it's soccer and, and it's just all the and, and we we can we can let that take our life in all kinds of directions and we do this with our with our houses we do it with our cars we we, we do it we go into someone else's house and oh my Gosh, their furniture is nicer than mine. I got to do something about this. And Solomon, over 5,000, we think this is a new problem. Over 5,000 years ago, Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes 4. I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy, circle that word in your notes, circle the word envy. It's because they envy the things their neighbors have. The thing that you and I have to keep in mind, if we're going to follow what our neighbors are doing, here's the problem in our culture. Most of our neighbors are up to their eyeballs in credit card debt, and you're just going to follow them right in the same path to the same destination. Solomon saw this. He says, don't do that. We, we, you know, we offer financial peace university here with Dave Ramsey, and, and and what what has happened over the course of time is so many more families in our church are at the place where they no longer living. They're no longer longer living with credit card debt. Uh, you know, Karen and I now we we, we don't have a car payment now. It's just, we, 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 I'm just not ready for another car payment. Like credit card debt needs to be a thing of the past and financial freedom is, is the pathway. Number four, to value achievements over relationships. You know, so many of us probably could think of someone right now who we know now or in the past who their career was more important to them And because of their career, they let their marriage fall off in the distance. Or they let important relationships in their lives drift off into the distance. Because career and job was more important. When our goals are more important than people, we are skating on thin ice. I got to go back to Solomon. Smartest man, richest man. Look what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 9 in the Message Bible. He says, here's another thing I've seen on earth that makes no sense. He's giving us real clarity here. He's breaking it down so it's easy to understand. Some people don't have any kids or family or even friends, yet they work obsessively, never taking a break. And then he goes on. He says, there's no end to their toil. They're never content with what they've done or what they've earned. And they never stop and ask themselves, why am I always working to do more? And why don't I let myself enjoy life? And who cares? Who will get what I leave behind? You know, I've I've watched, I've watched so many people pass away and their inheritance goes to their kids. And so often, if we have not taken the time to shape our kids with the character and the strength to handle the finances we leave them, it doesn't help them, it hurts them. Almost 90% of all inheritances now, the statistic is almost 90%. Of all inheritances are gone in six months. Quiet in here, huh? Why don't I let myself enjoy life? And who cares? And who will get what I leave behind? And look at look how Solomon puts this. What a senseless and miserable way to live. You're better off having someone enjoy and share the rewards of your work. God did not put you on this earth to accomplish a to-do list. That's not why he put us here. Scripture tells us over and over again, he put you here so that you could learn to love, so that I could learn to love. Learn to love God and learn to love our neighbor as we are learning to love ourselves. Because when you get to heaven, God's going to say, how'd you do in relationships? Did you get to know me? Did you get to know my father? Did you get to know other people? See, in business, we can score all day long, but we can strike out on relationships. Peace and tranquility. He wants us to, David says, lie down in green pastures. And he leads us beside still waters. If you want to relax in God's goodness, you have got to learn to trust the Savior. You've got to learn to trust him. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So how does he do that? I want to look at four ways real quickly with you. Four ways that he does that. Number one, I remember how God values me. My value is not determined by my career. My value is determined by what God has to say about me. God created you and he... He only creates things that are valuable. He creates things intentionally. You were created for a purpose. I was created for a purpose. God never does anything without a purpose. He never creates anything that is not valuable. You will never hear God say, I don't know what I was thinking when I made her. It, it, he's just never gonna say that. He doesn't make mistakes. You're, the reason you're alive is because he wanted you. We, 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 don't, we don't think this way, but, but that's what this says. The reason you and I are here because He wants us here. And, and, and our Bible uses words like priceless when he describes you. Masterpiece is the word that he uses when he describes you. Unique, and he goes into all the details about how unique in Scripture each one of us are. Your heavenly Father created you. Jesus Christ, his Son, died for you and died for me, and his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And for some reason, we we tend to lock our brain around a negative comment that somebody said about us. Or for some reason, we think of ourselves as a failure because of of this situation or that. And God says, no, no, no. This is what I think of you. This is who you are. It's not what I do that gives me worth. It's whose I am that gives me worth understanding whose I am. Some of you, that's a big deal. For some of you, you need to come to the place where you see yourselves the way God sees you and stop seeing yourself the way you're looking at yourself right now. And if the creator of the universe says one thing about you and the entire world says something else about you, who are you going to go with? the creator of the universe, or or everyone else. James, the brother of Jesus, in chapter 1, verse 18, says, God decided to give us life through the word of truth so that we might be the most important of everything God ever created the most important, you are the most important of everything God created. And that's James, the brother of Jesus, who grew up with Mary being his mother. Nobody knew like Mary who Jesus was. The angel came to Mary before she was even pregnant, told her she was gonna have a son. And she had a son and called his name Jesus. And Mary knew Mary knew she never slept with anybody. Nobody knew like Mary knew who Jesus was. All the years growing up, knowing this child. And James, the the brother of Jesus, never was a follower of Christ until after Jesus was dead, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. Then James, the brother of Jesus, lived his life after that and died knowing that Jesus was not only his brother, but he was his Lord and Savior. And he points to Jesus, and he points to you and I rather, And he said, God wants us to understand that we are the most important of everything God has created. When we sing that song here on Sundays, I'm a child of God, yes, I am. Deep inside of me, that yes, I am comes out louder than I don't think any song I've ever sung. Because there's unbelievable truth in that. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. And Jesus made it clear the marks on his hands. By the way, Jesus is going to be the only one in heaven with scars. We're going to be given a, a whole new body. There, there, there are going to be no, no sadness, no pain. There's going to be no, no, no problem. But Jesus is going to have the scars. Because he was nailed to the cross for you and for me. Is this a broken world? Absolutely. Are we sinners? Yes, we are. And we're good at it. Are we perfect? No, we're not. But we are deeply loved by God. Deeply loved by God. Remember how God values me. Number two, enjoy what I already have. In other words, contentment. And it's not natural for us. And it's not natural for sheep. Sheep are restless. They're discontented. No wonder God refers to us as sheep. But we can learn to be content. Paul says, I have learned to be content." whether I have stuff or I don't. Back to Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse six. A, a, a little food eaten in peace is better than having twice as much earned from overwork and chasing after the wind. And we live in an economy now that, that, that's, that's beginning to move. An economy that that all across our country, houses are being built and and people are moving in the direction of bigger and better and newer, or borrowing, and and then they're going to have to overwork and they're going to have to reach maximum credit payments and, and we're headed there. And Solomon reminds us that the greatest things in life aren't things. You know, I've been by enough bedsides for people now who've who left this planet and gone onto the other side. And I have never heard anyone in their last words say, you know, I, I just wish I'd spent more days at the office. <laughs> I, I've never heard anyone lay there getting ready to leave and say, can, can, you, can you bring me my bowling trophy? Can you bring me my coin collection? Could you show me a picture of my car just one more time? No. Matter of fact, the, the greatest things are the people we love and loving God and loving each other. And then I've heard this phrase: well, well he she died penniless. And and and, and we kind of look at it as a negative thing, and I'm thinking. What a better time to go. You spend your last penny and bam, you're gone. I I think that's brilliant living. It's like, why can't we all shoot for that one? Or the bumper sticker that says, he who dies with the most toys wins, right? I want the bumper sticker that says, he who dies with the most toys dies. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 13, all of us should enjoy what we have worked for because it is god's gift to us see resting is actually trusting in the savior resting is the way to blessing the third thing i have is limit work to 6 days the 10 commandments that he tells us in the top 10 now don't commit murder don't commit adultery don't steal And then in the fourth commandment, in Exodus chapter 20, you have six days in which to do your work. But on the seventh day, it's to be a day of complete rest dedicated to me. Our best requires rest. And it's not for God's benefit. It's so that you don't burn out. If I don't rest, it doesn't hurt God. It hurts me. When I violate God's principles, it doesn't hurt him. It hurts me. He doesn't give these things to us for him. He gives them to us for us. When I ignore his laws, I get hurt. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to benefit man. So what do I do on the Sabbath? I'm glad you asked. I have three fillings for you. Let's do them real quick, okay? On the Sabbath, I rest my body one of the things I do is I rest my body. During the French Revolution, it was a godless culture. They did away with the Sabbath. Before too long, they had to restore it because the health of the nation plummeted and they had to bring it back just to regain the health of the nation. Number one, I rest my body. Number two, I restore my emotions. I restore my emotions. I do that through quietness. I do it through recreation, and I do it through relationships, and my emotions get totally restored. Number three, I fill my spirit bank. That's what we're doing here this morning. We're saying, God, fill me. We, we worship him with song. We open our hearts to his word, and God says, when you do these, you will actually, you won't lose a day. You will actually end up with more time. God says, I want you to do it my way. Because my way is good for you. The fourth thing about having him as my shepherd is I adjust my values. I adjust my values because we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't know or like with money we don't have. So I adjust my values. Mark chapter 6, Jesus says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. How's your soul doing this morning? How are your relationships doing this morning? Jesus, the Good Shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. Look what Jesus says in Matthew. Because in our culture, we get caught up in this. I gotta tell you, in ministry, I, I get caught up in this. I I, I get so caught up and as a matter of fact, when I leave on Sundays, today it'll be different because we have uh, uh, we're doing the journey with a lot of some of our dream team, and I'll be here till I'm not sure what time. And, and but but on Sundays when, when I leave here after the second service, I, I will um we'll get home and I will crash. I will go to sleep like that. And it it'll be a nap. But he'll be a double drooler. I mean I just just go go right out. Sunday's not my Sabbath, it's not my day off. but it, on our staff, we've adjusted our schedule because it is so easy for us to be disobedient because we're we're doing ministry we're we're doing what's most important and we we kind of From a church perspective, we we just think that's a good thing. And he says, no, it's not. You need a Sabbath. You need a day off. Maybe some of you are struggling with this. Jesus didn't struggle with it. He did it. He just did it. In Matthew, look what Jesus says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. If you want to know how to do anything, look at the way Jesus did it. He goes on to say, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The shepherd, the good Shepherd wants to take you to lie down. He wants to take you beside still waters. He wants your life to be at a place where you worry about nothing, you trust him for everything. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many of us this morning really could enjoy living freely and lightly? David knew what he was talking about and God's desire for that, for you, is that. For your life to be led by the good shepherd even to the place where freely and lightly it's how he leads us. Let's pray together this morning. Stand with me. We're going to sing a song together. We're going to worship. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that the very desire of your heart through the unforced rhythms of your grace is to take us to a place where we are trusting you so that we can live freely and lightly. In your name we pray, everyone said, amen.